even when it's been dry, to be completely honest, we, you know, we sort of think, oh, geez, so hang on, you really assess, you know, is this really something we want to do? And we both just realized it absolutely is because we love being here. We couldn't imagine being anywhere else. So it makes us feel more comfortable sticking it out. <laughs> certain strength. If, if I'm having a, a day I'm just feeling like, gee, it's just not sort of great. And I go out and find a tree or a nice ender where it's just got trees and there's just a certain just strength quiet. just being there and just drawing strength on the country, you know, like just there, there's something about it that's, it's quite spiritual, I suppose. Welcome to Propagate, a podcast all about the ups and the downs of young farmers and fishers. Today it's time to fill up the four-wheel drive, give up on the GPS, and head out to Walker Station. It's a bit of a drive, and it's a little bit out of the way. Actually, it's a long way out of the way. When George Miller was trying to figure out where to film Mad Max, he decided that Broken Hill and Silverton were perfect for their rugged landscapes and empty roads. Well, we're going even further than that, just near Cameron's Corner, where New South Wales, Queensland and South Australia meet. It's a long way to go, but today's guests, Bodie and Rachel Hill, are worth it. Not only are they both lovely people, but they also seem destined to wind up at Walker Station. I'll let Bodie explain. Walker used to be in Rachel's parents' both sides, so it was a, originally a great-great-grandfather's mm-hmm. took it up. So Walker come from the name of Walter and Catherine, so the first two initials. So, um, and that was 1927, I think, or early mm-hmm. 1920s. Um, they took that up, and that was sort of Rachel's mum's side, and then they actually sold it to Rachel's grandfather. Um, so he did that through the 50s. Rachel's dad mm-hmm. was born here, and yeah. then <laughs> they sold Rachel's... Dad's oldest brother, he sort of ended up the place and then he sold it in the 80s, I think, to another person. And then so we ended up sort of being out of, it's sort of back in the family sort of thing. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there was only sort of two owners that weren't some way linked to my family. Yeah. So it's really special for me to be able to live here and, you know, um, yeah, be almost, well, you go down the rubbish dump and you see all these things and, you know, you think, oh, that's a part of my history and, yeah, um, it's really cool. So in terms of specifics, how much property do you have here? 130,000. It's just under 130, I think it's 129, such and such. 130,000 acres. Yeah. yeah, close enough, 130,000. That's an immense amount of land. Keeps it busy. Yeah. It's good. A lot of people come out here and say, how do you muster that? How do you sort of, you know, 130,000 acres? Well, you sort of don't look at it as 130,000. If you muster in one paddock, you know, most of our paddocks are average about 5,000 acres. So you just concentrate on that and you just sort of break it down and, you know, yeah, it's it's very fragile country out here. Like we're sort of semi-arid. So I think our average rainfall is about sort of six to seven inches. So um, you get used to it being dry. So I, I think, you know, you've, you've got to look after it fairly well so we, we try to spell country and we don't have the numbers you know we try to keep our numbers sort of relatively um low it's probably been a bit easier to do that with this season the way it's been <laughs> um and 
Yeah, so I mean, there is obviously things, but it's it's pretty easy country out here. I mean, it's yeah. we we don't need to treat for worms or you know drench or um, yeah, it's getting them in for shearing, layer marking, yeah. and we have noticed a bit of a change when we put our rams in, just getting the ewes together and putting the rams with them instead of you know yeah, so yeah. three times mustering in your space. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, three times a year or. Maybe the time you sort of get them together. I mean, you're obviously looking at them. I, I fly a little gyrocopter, so that sort of makes it easier to monitor them. Water runs are fairly easy, so just drive around checking the waters and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. out here, I mean, it's probably not as intensive as it is, say, down inside there, where, you know, yeah. with lambing, you're, you're checking them all the time, you're driving around checking. Unfortunately, out here, it's the only the tough survive sort of thing. They're fairly strong for here, like the, it's, it's just tough country, I suppose, so they grow as tough animals, so. I'm glad you said it's tough country. It is tough country. There's a certain beauty about it. I, I think this. Yeah, definitely got to yeah. love it. Like, and yeah. we both love it. You know, we love just being in it. So it's not daunting being out on the motorbike and finding your way around. It's sort of, yeah, we love it. So you, you get to know it, and I mean, people go to a big city or you know go to Melbourne or Adelaide and <laughs> yeah. they live in. We get lost there. Yeah, they grow up there, and they're just like, oh no, it's just Danny because. Every flat has a memory, every little, you know, you, you can pick your way, you sort of know, and, and you pay attention. There's nothing yeah. else to distract you. There's no billboards and there's no it's sort of... It's crazy no as it is. Like, there's, so. there's trees in different paddocks where I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that tree. It's just over that hill and then to the right, and that's where the dam is, you know, like, so, yeah, once once you've been in it and you view things from that perspective, it's, it's quite easy. <laughs> So what is it you love about this place? I don't know whether it's just the ruggedness. It, it amazes me that this country can be so dry, but yet there's still life. Mm. Just the animals and the plants that yeah. are, are, st- are still surviving. You, you know? still and, have yeah. trees and shrubs like mm. flowering and it's so dry, but we go for a walk and there's little um, coolie bar trees like with new shoots on it and you think, Wow, and they're not big coolie bar trees, so their roots are getting some water from somewhere. Like it's so fascinating. Mm. So, but it is so untouched, you know. I mean, obviously there's been, you know, grazing and there has been there, but other than the fences, you know, the country hasn't. It's not ploughed. It's not, you know, cleared. Or it's it's just how it has been. Mm. And it's, this is something very spiritual about. It. Mm. Definitely slows us down, you know. Um, when it can be so busy or you've just finished giving kids tea and, you know, you might be feeling tired or exhausted or had a big day or whatever and you walk out to take something out to the wheelie bin and you see, like, the sun setting and you just go, ah, you know, yeah, it just helps put things into perspective. As soon as you can be out in nature, for me, it just helps me put things into perspective. We um, go for a walk with the boys, the state of mind even the boys get in from spending time with us and just walking around and they find lizard tracks, they acknowledge the trees that are flowering or whatever. So can't wait to see their faces when the season changes and like, you know, there's even more life around or the, you know, so yeah, definitely helps us all. It even helps the boys go to school in a good frame of mind. So it's cool. It's worth noting that school for Rachel and Bodie's kids is school of the air because they're currently the most remote students in New South Wales. The fascinating thing about them, though, is that they don't see it like that. They're the perfect example of how your attitude dictates your reality, how your perception is everything 
when it comes to viewing your surroundings. So there's certainly glass half full types, but I had to know how they were dealing with a serious and long-term drought in an already dry part of the world. Um, <laughs> I try not to use the word drought. I, 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 I like to change my mindset and sort of just that we're going through a tough season. It's been tough. There's no doubt about it. Like, I mean, yeah, we, we still have, there's still bills to pay. There's still sort of the worry about, well, we've still got cheap, but where does the income, you know, like it's definitely tough. I mean, same as everyone has, but we, we try to be positive. I think, um, yeah, we really, we really had to sort of question why we're here, you know, so that, that's been a big thing for us to understand that we have to love this place in the good seasons and the bad. If we just want to be, be when here when it's good, there, well, then we're in the wrong part of the country to be like that. So it's been tough. We've had to really change our mindset. We've had to realise that we have to dig deep, that we actually also have a life outside of this place, which which sounds weird when it is a 24-7 job, but... And we're so... Yeah, put ourselves sort of first a little bit. We've actually been really selfish this year. We've actually found where by taking a step back and focusing on ourselves instead of 110% on the business, we've been able to get through it a lot more. We've taken up hobbies. Um, We've probably travelled more this year. Well, I sort of realised I wasn't going through a great great stage sort of last summer 12 months ago and realized that I didn't actually want to keep going that way I didn't want to I I didn't want my boys growing up resenting me because I was just a grumpy bastard you know sort of and and it it was it was tough I mean it still is but I didn't want to be thinking that yeah I've got to work hard so that you know I can pass on my boys if they want and then realize that I'd push my boys away and they didn't want to be part of them what I'm on turn on me and so we realized that we had to had to change because it could be quite easy that wake up one morning and I'm 75 ready for retirement and realise that I haven't actually lived my life. But I realised that I got so much more out of... Um, enjoying moments. Enjoying life and actually stopping and smelling the roses. We've forgotten how to switch off mm. and realising we're getting burnt out. Like I think that was hard for us to try and um, make that split between this is our business mm. and we live in our business and we raised our kids in our business. And, you know, mm. we went and did a session with Jill Rigney and that was just amazing to be able to think about the dynamics of what our business is and, and making sure that, yeah, we can switch off and, and we can even do it while we're at Walker now. We, we couldn't mm. do that before. Like to be able to be okay with just chilling out and just just being Mm. here without having to feel like we had to achieve all the time you know Mm. because we we love achieving it fulfills us but now we've realized we can achieve but if we actually take that time to um, switch off we're actually going to be more productive and our kids are going to be more happier and we're going to be happier you know Mm. that's a huge attitude shift and i don't want to pry but this change came from some hard times, didn't it? Depression's been a big part of my life, I suppose. It's always been in the family. I know mum suffered with it when I was younger and never really realised. So I don't want to say I suffered from depression because I've actually found so many positives from having it for me. I'm not saying it's the same for everyone, but it's, it's changed my life having it. It's made me change the way I look at things. I feel like if I don't look at things positive, it just spirals out of control. So by going through that depression stage, mm. it's given me the, the strength of mind to be able to 
look at things differently. I can have a dust off here and, and be enjoying it. I don't enjoy the cleanup, but we've had to find the positive in, in everything we do mm. because it's always right now. And being out here where it is such a tough country, I suppose, mm. um, it's so easy to be negative. Seeing Bo go through depression was, um, it was it was hard because when your team member's down, it's pretty pretty significant and it's such a such a big team effort because if he's having a bad day for some reason I can feel good and we can I can help him and I have days where I'm just like feeling like crap and being a girl I just cry more (laughs) and Bode will you know come and make me think about it in a different way and you know I have to admit since he's gone through depression I find um how he can support in our family with um, when people are having emotional problems. He's um, so good at explaining stuff and, and helping you get through it more because he's been through it. And um... it's, it's quite a comfortable spot to be in there because it's great because you can bring everyone else down and you can just you can do whatever and you can make yourself <laughs> so much better. You don't have any problems because there's someone else's and it's yeah. because of them that you're doing it. So, yeah. you know, if, if you're going to sit there and be in that, self-pity wallowing stage for too long everyone is in that stage i go get in that stage at least once a week but if i stayed there i give my power away to everything else and i can't overcome it so if, if i make the decision to stay in that state of mind and stay in that emotion then i'm not going to be able to be any good for me or anyone else around me so being able to not blame someone else for the situation i'm in allows me to um, sort of take control of it and not give that power away to that outside influence. So say, for instance, I'm not going to be happy until it rains or I'm, I'm not going to be happy until such and such realizes how valuable I am. You know, no, you've got to realize how valuable you are or you've got to be okay with the situation because you can't control the rain. So don't give that outside thing the a power to be able to make you happy. Mm. I almost felt like I knew you before I met you because of your social media presence. What's behind that? I used to waste a bit of time on social media and I, I found I actually needed to, I was so grateful that I actually had this realisation that uh, it's not good for me. So over for two years, I, I actually went off Facebook, didn't use it at all. And so we both sort of, yeah, we weren't using it over 12 months and it's funny how the dynamics of my life changed so much I felt like I was disconnected from everybody I felt like um, that I didn't know when things were happening so I felt like I was missing out on stuff and then all of a sudden um, people started to realize that I wasn't on Facebook so I'd get text messages sent to me letting me know that something was happening or or people would ring me and you know so that was great. Loved it. And and then, um, yeah, we've been back on social media for a little bit now. And I feel that I use it in a totally different way now. I don't use it to, say, numb myself anymore. Like if I'm going on there, I'm going on because I want, I've got to make sure I'm in the right frame of mind and that I want like inspiration. You know, if I do see cool things that people are doing because my mindset's changed, um, from a period of time, I feel like now when I see something cool someone's done, I'm just so proud of them and I, and I feel happy for them. I don't resent them because my life isn't like that, you know. And, and I think that's come from me actually just being with myself and realising that I, 
I love what I do and I love who I am. Um, there's definitely things about me that, you know, I don't love, but um, at the end of the day, this is me and, you know, I need to be me. Can't be anyone else. There's no point being anyone else. So with the social media, I think it's come about because um, I feel like I just want to help people to be able to be themselves and, um, you know, not be so hard on themselves. So, yeah, I don't know. Mine might be a bit more selfish, I suppose. I don't know. I sort of like it. It helps me by doing them. Um, Your videos, you mean? Yeah, it helps helps doing the videos because there's several times where I'll go back and listen to them later and, and sort of go, oh, that was a good point, you know, and sort of congratulate myself. for. I find when I do them, I, I it's, it's nearly like my subconscious thoughts, so it helps me later to go back and do them. And I think the very first one I did, that really hit a chord with a lot of people because I was just talking about my experiences with depression and, and with the season and stuff. And it helped a lot of people and I suppose I could see a lot of people that I knew were suffering and going through the same things but didn't want to let on that they were suffering. So it was nearly a way that by doing that, people can comment and sort of say, oh, you know, very good, or that, you know, that helped me or, or even, even without it, they didn't even comment. But that they understand that someone else is going through it. I knew people that were too, too tough to talk about it. Didn't want to. Didn't want to be shown as weak. And it's amazing after the the response that I've gotten back, and it, it's been great to know that people sort of understand that they're not alone. That they are to leave make you feel not alone as well. Yeah, well, that's right. And you know, I wasn't in a great place. You know, they're they're sort of it, it. It wasn't looking great there for a while. You know, the thoughts that were going through weren't sort of great thoughts to have. So. Hopefully that other people, and, and I have seen other people doing, talking about their feelings, and I think that's awesome, you know, and I think the more that people can do that mm. is great because it gets it off their chest. And then once it's out there, they're like, oh, okay, cool, I feel so much better. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have to worry about that anymore. So it's, yeah. It sounds like you guys have spent heaps of time thinking and growing. So I'd love to hear about one of the lessons you've learned. Never compare yourself to anybody else and that we're all meant to be different Mm. no one's meant to be the same no business is the same so even with the drought and that dynamic it's important just to support each other don't try and understand someone else's business because it's completely different to yours you know yeah Mm. not to compare don't be afraid to ask questions listen pay attention there's still a very macho stigma i suppose that we don't want to show that weakness like you know we should just know how to do that you know you don't want to ask questions because it'll make you look like you know what do you mean you don't know how to do that? I don't, like, you know, so show me, you know. So, and I, and I think once I realised that I didn't have the older brothers or the, you know, the father figures or the grandfathers to show me how to do certain things, so, yeah, I had to sort of pick it up. But you only get that from, like, you know, closing your mouth and not saying you know how to do it and just asking. So I suppose that's the thing, be curious, get <laughs> curious. So that's the brain side of things. What about the bank side of things? We had a criteria when we were, you know, once we sold our wood and we had finances, we were, okay, well, what are we going to budget for? And it was always whether it's going to save us money or make us money. There was no there was no expenditure that was, oh, but it would be really nice to have that. I love a new shed or I'd, I'd, you know, I'd love that new sort of whatever. We were sort of lucky there that we got to a point in the first couple of years that everything we put back into the place. And we had and, good years too. We were lucky. Yeah, yeah, we were lucky, yeah. And... There was a couple of dryers in there. It wasn't normal. True. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but we live in, <laughs> we live in a desert, that, right? Like, uh... <laughs> but, you know, I think that that was the thing. So we put it back into there. We made smart decisions. When it was dry, we first bought it. We were carting water here to the house. As soon as we get some money, we put the house board down. 
And when it rained, we didn't forget about it. We did that straight up. We put that, we've got a desal unit. So through here, we can run this house, we can drink and the water that time, if we need to. we didn't to. need it. Yeah, we, we put it in when we didn't need again, it. You know. We knew that it was going to be dry again. So I, I think it's, it's easy when it rains to forget about it. And say, oh, that was, we don't need that stuff anymore. It's rained. We're never going to need it again. For us out here, yeah, you, look, it, it is going to be dry again. So, you know, I, I think to make those decisions. And it was hard because, I mean, there was definitely, we had a couple of good seasons and we were building our numbers up and, you know, and, yeah, wool prices were pretty good. So we were sort of lucky there. But we didn't go crazy. We went through those first five years and we put 120%. Everything we did, like, you know, redid the full wool shed. I did that all on my own. I was, you know, middle of summer was out there welding and doing all them sort of good fun things. And we did all that and put it back in there. So now when it is dry, we've sort of, we've been able to put, you know, finances away because we've been sort of saving and stuff like that. So it's it's helped us to be able to now invest in ourselves. Yeah. Don't lose sight of when it is all green and everything like that. And, and remember remember the mistakes you made or the mistakes that happened. And, and Don't dwell on them, but just remember them. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look back because you're going forward, but sometimes it's all right to glance backwards. Yeah. yeah. Can't drive a car looking in the rear vision mirror, but it's good to glance in there sometimes. So. Thanks for listening to this episode of Propagate. And thanks to Rachel and Bodie for taking the time out to chat so honestly. And a very special thanks to the wonderful people of Tibberborough who made sure that I didn't get lost on a dirt track a long way from a phone signal. As always, Propagate is brought to you by the good folks at the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. And if you find yourself with some long drives ahead of you, why not download all the other episodes that are available? Your review would also be greatly appreciated. My name's Corey Haig. Thanks for listening.